Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with another edition of DC and Hawani. Of course, we have to talk about Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic and John Jones. Man, so much to discuss coming off UFC 260 and so much to discuss regarding Vicente Luque and Tyron Woodley's future, Sugar Sean O'Malley. A lot going on, as always, in the world of MMA. But before we get to that, I do have a few things to tell you. First off, Daily Wager is ESPN's newest podcast, for all your betting information on tonight's games, listen every weekday afternoon for the latest info on the biggest games and plays. That's Daily Wager. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, for all the fight fans out there, if you want the best UFC experience, you know you need ESPN Plus, the platform that Chael and I built with our hands off our shoulders. You know the drill by now. Every pay-per-view event, fight night, originals, exclusive archive, extensive archive, ESPN Plus, you know it delivers. It's the home of the UFC. It's the home of Ariel and the bad guy. So sign up now on ESPNplus.com. All right, let's get to today's program. As always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Now making their way to the microphone, DC and Helwani. Would you say top three coolest gifts that anyone has ever given you? It's nice, dog. There's a ton more, Daniel. There's a ton more. Oh, my goodness. My goodness, Marty. Here's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this fifth week of March slash first week of April 2021. Didn't think I'd do that. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. DC, I do believe, is raising the roof. Is this... are you, what is this? <laughs> is the roof over. on fire? But then, dude, I was watching the UFC octagon girl, Luciana, and she was all, I was like, oh, wait, we're still raising the roof. <laughs> I've been waiting for it to come back, dog. I've been waiting for raising the roof to come back. I can't dance. So I'm trying to find something cool that I can do. And I mean, if Luciana's like, yo. Hey, yo. if the OGs are doing it, aka the octagon girls, then you know it's cool. Shout out to Cynthia Cooper back in the day. Remember the Houston comments? Yes, they used yes, to yes. Uh, raise the roof. Yes. Um, well, anyway, that's DC. Daniel Cormier, I'm Helwani, Ariel Helwani. Uh, DC, how are you? There's a lot to discuss on this program. God, there's a lot to discuss. What? Unpack. Unpack as well, yeah. We have to unpack, we have to discuss, we have to digest, we have to break down, we have to do all those things and more. Uh, The Monday after a pay-per-view, like those 12 to 13 Mondays are always the best of the year, right? Because there's so much that happened. And of course, this past Saturday, a lot happened. Francis Ngannou is the new UFC heavyweight champion. And by the way, don't think I didn't hear 
Don't think I didn't notice you say on the broadcast, Francis Ngannou. You and said it God to him. Knew. You That's said it to him. When he came over, when he came over with the uh, the belt, he's like, yeah. DC, DC, you know, like Daniel, Daniel, look, he's pointing about, I go, Ngannou. That's my boy from day one, bro. I remember working at, at, at Fox and I was, he weighed in for the first time and I go, who in the world is that? I was like, look at this dude. I go in the future. This dude's a world champion. Yeah. And right. I, you didn't say I'm that. I'm telling you, I said, this dude's going to be a destroyer of worlds. Go back in the, it's all If there. I go back to the, okay. So if yes. I go back to his debut, his debut, I will hear at the weigh-in show. Yes. When he walks on, he has the braids. Mm -hmm. I go, he's scary. The predator looking, I'm telling you, I called it. That was years and years ago. And since that day, I've always been a fan of Nganu and a friend to Nganu. I think, I mean, on my behalf, I think we're friends. I don't know if he considers me a friend, but you know what it is. Um, and I was happy to see it, man, because you could see that joy in such a big man to finally become the world champ. It was crazy. By the way, what did he say to you guys? Well, he was talking to me. He was saying, Daniel, 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 right? And I was sitting there, like, talking about the fight. And he's, like, pointing at the belt. And that's when I was like, in God, knew you, like, celebrate with him. It was great. Because he's the man. You know, it was, it was almost like he was – it was almost like what was supposed to happen for a long time finally happened. Mm -hmm. You know? And he became the world champ. So, big, big night. It was crazy. Big win over Stipe Miocic, uh, second round TKO. We have to talk about that. We have to talk about Luke Woodley. Sugar Sean O'Malley returns in a very big way. Of course, shout out to everyone celebrating Passover. Chag Sameach, DC. Happy Passover to you and yours. Thank you. Um, we are off next Monday, so I do want to wish you and yours a happy Easter, an early happy Easter, right? Yep. yep Good yep, Friday Easter coming Sunday. up. Yep. Easter Sunday. Yep. yep. Easter Sunday is next weekend. That's right. Um, and that's all I got. I feel like you're waiting for something else, but those are I big am, holidays. I am, but I'm, oh, geez, I'm, thank you. I was kind of waiting. Like, I'm, I always start doing this because I'm trying not to laugh, like, before the holidays come. Right. I don't want to feel, like, surprised. I'm trying to keep it in. Okay, I'm just joking. I got a oh, couple for you. <laughs> it's a DC big day. Uh, today is National Lemon Chiffon Cake Day. What? <laughs> Have you ever had a lemon chiffon cake? is that it's like a, i think it's like a it's like a puffy cake there's there's some lemon uh it's a little tardy not a huge favorite of mine but it's lemon chiffon cake day it's also this is a great one national mom and pop business owner day so you know you always want to celebrate the mom and pop shops and, and, uh, and a lot of those have struggled through the pandemic you know of course so it's good to bring a spotlight to that but man chiffon Lemon, chiffon, lemon, <laughs> lemon, chiffon. And uh, you were just in Las Vegas. So it, it, it would be a crime if I don't bring up the fact that today's National Nevada Day. Mm. Hey, so wait, so there's a day for every state. Is there a national day for every state? Because I, I feel like a couple of weeks ago, it was a day for someone other, another California day, right? Wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm starting to learn this over the past year that every state seems to have a day. It's unfortunate that the show isn't happening tomorrow because, golly, there are some <laughs> amazing ones tomorrow. I mean, you talk about National Pencil Day. Here I am. National I Am In Control Day. Oh, I mean, what, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. National Take a Walk at the Park Day. I mean, just go take a walk at the park to celebrate National Virtual Vacation Day. I mean, how depressing is that? Everyone has to take a virtual vacation. And finally, the one that everyone loves. I mean, it's a big one circled on the calendar. Uh, National Turkey Neck Soup Day. Oh, have you ever had, have you ever had turkey neck soup? <laughs> have you ever had that? I've never had that. That sounds disgusting. 
<laughs> turkey so neck good. soup. You that's, had that? I've had turkey necks before. They oh. are phenomenal. They are fantastic. They capture all the flavor, mm-hmm. but they just don't have much meat on them. So oh. you're kind of sucking at the bone the whole time. It, they're fantastic, though. Go to your local grocer. I'm not. Smoke. <laughs> listen, I'm listen. Not. <laughs> Go to your local grocer and say, can I have smoked turkey necks? I'm telling you, they are fantastic. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough of that. That is disgusting. No, seriously. I'm going to feel sick please, right now. Please take. You, okay, try, fine. I'll do it. Catfish. You won't try turkey necks. You hate catfish. Like you that, won't try right. anything. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's anything. I mean, it's two these things. Are good. These are good. These are great food. Delicacies. There you say. Delicacies. Delicacies. Well, you know what is a delicacy, uh, DC? Francis Ngannou's win over Stipe Miocic. What a moment in time. What a fight. What a celebration. A coronation, if you will. Here's Francis, le predateur, finally <laughs> realizing his dream of becoming heavyweight champion. Let me ask I you this right off the top. French. I love when you speak French. I mean, that's what's his nickname, le predateur. Uh, I have a lot of questions for you, DC. I have a lot of questions. First things first. This is a simple one. Were you surprised it went down like that? You know Stipe better than anyone. You went, you know what? How many rounds you went with him? Five, four, ten rounds with him, right? You know this man very well. You saw how the first fight went. Were you ultimately surprised? Not to say like, oh, I called it. I didn't call it. But were you surprised it went down like that? It unfolded like that. So you said it was a bit of a coronation, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we've been on the cusp of those quite recent, frequently recently, mm-hmm. right? We were going to coronate Dominic Reyes when he fought Jan the first time. We were going to coronate Izzy as a double champion when he fought. We've been on the verge of that on many chances now, but nobody's actually capitalized. Francis capitalized, right? When it seemed like it was that time for him to go and take the next step, he did. I knew that if the fight ended early, it was going to be Francis. I thought Stipe was going to have to make the fight go long in order to win. But here's the thing. At the pace at which they were fighting, I don't believe the result was going to change. If they would have fought at that pace for 25 minutes, I think Francis might have still won. Because the pace was a little bit slower. He wasn't able to really find a path to get to Francis in any way, shape, or form. And and, um, it was a wipeout. He just dominated him. So surprised that, surprised in the way that the fight went in regards to the pacing, Francis just being able to outstrike him, how reserved Francis was, how within himself he was, how patient, how calm. Um, all those things, but the result, not necessarily because the fight still ended pretty early. Another big picture question for you. A lot was made on Friday of Stipe's weight, 234, 12 pounds lighter. If he weighs in 12 pounds heavier, if he's in the mid 240s, does that fight go any differently? I don't think it changes anything because it just did not look like Stipe really understood what was in front of him it was a different it was like like rogan said the other day the first puzzle was a hundred word piece puzzle now he's got rubik's cubes that he's trying to figure out because it was a completely different animal standing in front of him francis did not resemble himself at all francis didn't even look like the same guy that fought jarzino rosenstrike mm. right because even with rosenstrike he tried to do what he did in round one versus miocic but ultimately, he goes, you know what? Enough of this. I'm just going to blitz this dude, right? He blitzed him, chin hanging up in the air, just throwing punches until he landed one. Saturday, he never did that. Hmm. Even when he hurt Stipe, he never went crazy. He took his time and just found the right shots to help him win the fight. It was a, 
I don't think it was the weight. I just think that Francis is a difficult fight for Stipe. And man, listen, Stipe was able to solve that once. To have to do that on multiple occasions right. seems like just too much because he's going to get better every single time. Yeah, a difficult fight for anyone. And by the way, we do, since you're, you're bringing that up, have to give a shout out. I can't shout these two guys out enough. Eric Nixick of Extreme Couture and Dewey Cooper, what they've oh, done man. with him. I mean, it still feels, on, honestly, it feels like he's still like an unmolded piece of clay. That's the scariest part of all this. Yeah. He's 34. He's no spring chicken, but it still feels like he's got 10 more years and he only kind of like reached a five in terms of his potential. If his potential was a 10. But what those two guys have done with him over the past couple of years, nothing short of amazing. So they deserve a lot of credit as well. And we will talk about his growth and, and where he goes from here and all that. But I do want to get back to the actual fight. When you saw him sprawl like that, Oh. in the early because that oh. seemed like oh wow this is this is this is a potential turning point for Stipe right he could get him down to the ground oh. when you saw that whole thing play out on the mat and then he now becomes the offensive wrestler and then eventually gets back up what were you thinking what was I that said, like a, as a listen, wrestler if you listen I was like oh he learned how to wrestle like he, he's learned how to sprawl like you just had not seen him do that and honestly when I was watching him I immediately saw him do what he did in fight number one with Miocic. He wrapped his arms around the body, tried to hug, right? Hug the body. Stipe would just set him down if his hands weren't doing what they were supposed to do. But in the midst of all that, something clicked in Francis. And he was like, nope, I know what I'm supposed to do here. I'm supposed to stuff the head, cover his head with my hips, and sprawl my legs back. And once he unlocked his hands and he did that, I was like, oh, you got it. I was like, he did it. He actually did it. He knows how to sprawl. He knows how to defend. Now, Kamar Usman's been working with him on that. Tony Johnson, uh, the heavyweight uh, champion from ACB, I believe it is. He, he's been working with him on that. A lot of people are trying to help him with the wrestling outside of just all of his teammates. Randy Couture has been helping him with his wrestling. So you can see why he's improving. But for him to actually do it in the fight and have the wherewithal to catch himself doing what he was doing wrong and then correct it on the spot, I was like, man, my phone aerial blew up with – so many high-level wrestlers and coaches texted me in that moment. And they all said, uh-oh, the fight's over. Mm -hmm. Like all, they were like, if he can't take him down, the fight's over. And these are guys that like Stipe, because Stipe is a wrestler. But they all recognize that this is, this is trouble if Stipe can't take this guy down. And it also, you could see it in Miocic, right? You can see like, ah. I thought I would be able to get him to the ground. And it was just a very discouraged look on the face of Stipe after he couldn't get that takedown. Clearly, Nganu won the first round, 10-9. I yes. mean, very easy round to score. I was wondering about the fact that, I don't know if you noticed this, his mouth was open towards the end of the round, right? It seemed like he was having some trouble breathing. It seemed. Did you notice that? Is that, is that much ado about nothing? Because it did seem like he was getting tired. Clearly, it meant nothing in the second round. Yeah. Clearly you know, the fight ended when it did and, and, and he was incredible, but I was, Oh, I was like, Oh wow. His mouth is open. Right. Like it, like it seemed like he was breathing a lot out of his mouth. Did you notice that? You know, I don't even know if that's fatigue or if he just is a bit, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, Are I you don't calling know. Francis and Ganu a mouth breather right now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Maybe because I don't know. Because <laughs> Listen, a lot of people, he doesn't go that long into fights. So even yeah. that five minutes was longer than all of his previous four fights. So he would have had to have kind of, I don't think the guy was tired. Because okay. I thought he was as effective early in round one as he was at the end of round one. Okay. And I just think that he would have been able to fight at that pace for a long time if need be. 
Okay, well, he only needed 52 seconds in round two, so it happened rather quickly. What did Stipe do wrong in that final mm. exchange? Mm. So let me, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. I'm watching Stipe Miocic fight Francis in the first round, and he looked like he was trying to figure out how to attack, right? Because every, the one time he tried to go forward, Francis kind of slapped his arms trying to punch him, and it knocked him off balance. And from that point on, he was very on the outside. And you could hear his coaches telling him to move every time Francis seemed to line him up. Move, move, move. What was hard for me as a athlete commentator was when Stipe went to his corner in between rounds. Oh. And they said, okay, now you got to get your activity up and you got to do this. And he just said, I know. Like, but it wasn't, it was, a, it was sad. I mm. felt sad for him because I felt like in that moment, he was like, ah, this is going to be very difficult because we know as athletes when it's going to be a hard one. Right. And I know he's a champion. He would never, you know, not be up for the challenge. And he did go out there in round two to try to get more active. But I think he understood that as he was going to try to raise the activity, it was going to put him in a lot of danger, right? Because of what he had felt in round number one. So it was hard to watch. I felt sad for Stipe in, in, in between rounds because it seemed like he was discouraged after getting, you know, taken down, uh, losing the first round in a pretty much uh, technical striking battle. Yep. Like kicks, like, everything. Like it seemed like all the places he had the advantage, he lost in round one. And it seemed like very discouraging for him. And it was hard to watch. I got to admit it. It was hard to watch. And, um, but then he goes out to round two and he tries to do exactly what his coaches told him. And guess what? He's got great coaches. He does exactly what they tell him to try to get more active. And ultimately he put himself at risk a little bit, but where what Steve did wrong was land, right? He landed. Mm -hmm. So when Francis hurt him, he ran and he landed that pull right hand that he throws beautifully where he gets you to overextend, pulls out of range and he drops that right hand on you. He knocked out Fabricio Verdum with it. Yep. It's that same punch that he hit Francis with on multiple occasions in the last fight. He did that. When he hit him with that pull two, he hurt Francis. You can see Francis's eyes kind of go. But then by hurting him, he thought he hurt him. Right? As a longtime champion, you can tell when you hurt somebody. Well, when you hurt somebody, you go to try to finish him. Mm. He probably thought, this is my moment. Yes. Right? For as bad as this is going right now, this is my moment. And he ran into that left hook because he was not back himself. So I think his greatest asset, that punch, his right hand, ultimately was the thing that cost him because it gave him the idea that he was hurting Francis a little more than, than Francis was actually hurt. Yeah, and what a vicious knockout. I mean, it, it reminded me of Lyoto Machida and Rashad Evans back in the day, 2009, when the leg gets caught, right? I, I wish, look, I, I want to be very clear. I, I wish that extra punch wasn't, thrown and landed. I totally understand why he did. Yes. You need to make it emphatic. He had been through so much like Francis wanted the clean win and, and it's impossible to stop that momentum. Um, I saw the you same thing Herb running. Herb was running as fast as he can. You no, know, no, Herb did a great job. I mean, he did, did a great job. He was running in there to try to stop it with Francis. He's a killer, man. He's yeah, He's, killer, he's an absolute killer. It's amazing to see him in this kind of shape when we thought he was in great shape. Now, somehow he's in even better shape at 263 pounds, but I saw the same thing that you did. Steep ain't his mind considering how the first round went. So, okay, this is my chance to maybe end this quickly and go home. And ultimately that was his undoing. Cause you can't rush in 
on Francis Ngannou like that. You just can't. He is just too dangerous. I mean, by the way, credit to Stipe for the punches that he took in the first round. Oh Most guys are done in yes. the first round. It's incredible that he's taken these kinds of punches from Francis. Could I just ask you, you were a part of the last three UFC heavyweight title fights leading up to this point. Actually, four, I should say, because you had the three fights against uh, Stipe and, of course, the Derek Lewis fight. Um, and you're sitting there watching now for the first time the guy who you fought three times, Stipe. At any point throughout all that, you're like, oh, man, I missed this, or this is kind of weird. Did you have any kind of mixed emotions about any of not, it? Not, not ever. Like, I just feel happy to be to be close to it, you know, because here, here's the thing. My days of fighting for heavyweight championships are done. I lost that privilege when I lost that last fight. I'm a, I'm a realist. Like, I understand. So I was never going to continue to fight unless I was still fighting for titles, as I did in my last 11 UFC fights. So it's like, I can't sit there and go, oh, I miss fighting when I know I'm not going to fight just for nothing. So um, I was happy that these two guys were, were in that position to fight for the grandest prize of all, you know, the heavyweight championship world. And I was just happy to be a part of it. You know, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it was truly, truly a special environment to see, especially when I've spent so much time now, as you said, in that title picture. So to step outside of it and look at the enormity of a heavyweight title fight again, I was like, wow, this is crazy. I love elder statesman DC who goes to the back and shakes, you know, and Ganu's hand, you know, they all love you. They all look up to you. That means a lot to them. You know, you could see all their coaches with the phones out, but that has to be nice. Like you did it. You climbed the mountain. Hey, young man, now it's your turn. It has to feel good. Right. As you walk away there, like you don't have to worry about fighting Francis and Ganu. Yeah. No, you know what it is? It's like you go as a guy that's been there, done that. Right. And you congratulate these dudes that, you know, what they're in store for. And I talked to Eric Nixick, Nixick last night, he texted me and he was telling me how happy he was and proud of Francis. I said, okay, but now it gets tough, mm. right? Now it gets even tougher because I can speak to that as a guy that has done those things. And um, so it's great to go in there, shake the guy's hand and tell him, Hey, congratulations, man. Like, cause most of these men that are becoming champion, I've seen and known since they were kids and I was the champion, right? They were the young guys coming up and I'm like, watching them and I see them in those moments and I just want to go and shake their hand and say, you know what, man, congratulations, because I know what this means to you. I know what this means for your family, but I also know that now the ride really begins because every time you step in there, it's going to be the best scariest guy in the world. So you got to be even better going forward than you were even to get here. Even if you're a Stipe fan, it is hard not to feel happy, I think, for Francis. If you know his story, if you know what he's been through, if you know where he comes from and what he's had to overcome, it's truly an incredible success story. And you know what's so crazy about Francis right now? Okay, I think this is the scariest, the most intimidating, the most terrifying heavyweight champion the UFC has ever had, even more so than Brock. And, and that's saying a lot. And I never thought I'd say that, but I think this is the closest that the UFC has ever had to a heavyweight champion that resembles Mike Tyson, oh. the guy who could capture the imagination. But here's the crazy part, right? Here's the crazy part. When Tyson was the man, he was already essentially a finished product. The crazy part is this guy, it doesn't feel like he's a finished product, right? It feels oh. like he's two, three years away from becoming a finished product. That is terrifying. That he is truly that. an amazing thing. He said that on the fighter meetings last week, he goes, I'm finally starting to understand how to be a martial artist. I, I've said this, Ariel, and I tweeted it after the fight, and people were saying, how, what does this mean? When I say this changes everything in terms of the UFC champion. Let me explain. 
the heavyweight champion, especially the general public, right? They want to see a guy that does not resemble them in any shape, way, shape, or form, right? They want to see a guy that almost looks outerworldly, a guy that you don't see just walking up the street. When I was a heavyweight champ, there's millions of me just walking around the street. When Stipe was the champ, there's a lot of guys that are 6'3", 6'4", 225, 230 pounds. Even though we're scary, we don't look as though we don't exist in this world. Francis does. You don't see many 6'4 280-pound men that look physically like Francis Ngannou. That is what people want to see when they think of the baddest man on the planet because there aren't many of them. And I think this is the first time the UFC has had a guy that strikes that type of intrigue around the world since Brock, right? Because there's not many Brocks out here. That's mm -hmm. why no matter what Brock does, WWE keeps putting the belt on him. Because if they look at Brock and you go, that's the heavyweight champion of the world. You mm -hmm. get that with Francis, a big guy that seems like he doesn't belong of this world. And with his fighting ability combined with the physical looking attributes, he could be as big as any heavyweight champ the UFC's ever had. Imagine if he had won the first time. Those last four fights in two and a half minutes. Could you imagine the stardom that he Oh, had? my God. And he, oh my God. Could you imagine the stardom? Yeah, imagine all had? those fights were title fights. Could you believe? Could you imagine if he had beaten Kane, JDS, Curtis Blades, and freaking uh, Jarzinho as champion? That's the potential. That's what's potentially on the table right now because he's only 34. So, bro, I, it, it does change everything, especially if it goes in the way that it seems like it can go for Francis with his new uh, found ability to stay up on his feet and fight at a pace that allows for him to take his time. You know, it's funny when you mention those four fights, you say those would be title fights. And I agree with you. It would be incredible. It's almost like, and I do the same thing. We forget about the Derek Lewis fight because the Derek Lewis fight yeah. was the one right after he lost that fight. Right. And you go back. I remember talking to Francis a couple of days after the Derek Lewis fight, this man was a broken man. He had no confidence. There was a narrative out there that he was an egomaniac, that he was hard to work with. You know, everyone thought that he was going to be a never was all this stuff and more. And now you look at him and you look at how people are talking about him and you see him realize his potential and you see the way, you know, his, uh, his fellow countrymates are reacting to him in Cameroon. What great scenes that was, you know, that came out yesterday. It's just an amazing story. And they've just scratched the surface with this guy. And you know what makes it even so great? It's not like, oh, Francis is the king. Who's next? Who's the, uh, you know, who's the poor soul that we can get for him next? No, Francis is the king. And we have potentially the biggest heavyweight title fight in the history of the UFC just looming on the horizon. We have Francis Ngannou, potentially the scariest heavyweight champion in the history of the sport, going up against John Jones, the greatest light heavyweight champion in the history of the sport, and in a lot of people's eyes, the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. Holy smokes. This fight, I mean, this fight would be one of the most lucrative fights in UFC history. So let's talk about it because we all knew that was what was going to be next. John gave away the belt. He vacated the title, said, I'm focused on heavyweight. I'm moving up. I've added 30, 40 pounds, and I'm going to fight the winner of Stipe versus Francis. However, the moment, almost like the second the fight is over, here it comes. Here's the drama. Here comes the tweets. Here come the comments. Here comes all of this. So let me ask you, just in your gut, do you think it happens? Do you think John Jones versus Francis Ngannou happens next? I think that it happens. But let me say something for for just what it truly is. John Jones, for everything that's between us, is not afraid of Francis Ngannou. No. 
ludicrous. There's, I mean, this is absurd that people think that he's not afraid, bro. I understand that most people would be afraid. But guess who else wasn't afraid? Steve Miocic mm-hmm. and Derek Lewis mm-hmm. and Cyril Gaon. And I, those guys aren't afraid. But John Jones isn't afraid. Now, here's where you start to play the game if you're Dana and Jones. Jones wants his money. Mm-hmm. Dana has to show that he has options, right? That is, that's all that's happening, right? High-level negotiations is what's going on right now. But guys, make no mistake about it. Jones believes that he will beat Francis Ngannou as any great champion would believe that they would beat him. Now, is that the case? I don't know. But John Jones is a talented, one of the most talented guys that I've ever seen inside the octagon. And if you have to find someone that can piece together a way to solve that puzzle, it's John Jones. Mm. Let's not be crazy here. Um, You know, the fact that he's, you know, John Jones feels he's defending himself against his name, right? The reality is they're just negotiating in public. We've seen this with Connor. We've seen this with other fighters in the past. I believe it happens. I really do. I believe it happens as well. No insider info here. They haven't really gotten to the point. And that's actually something that I want to bring up. A couple of things kind of rubbed me the wrong way on Saturday. The first one was John Jones vacated his title last spring summer right it was around june or so where he said i'm done and then they booked the uh the dominic reyes versus jan bohovic fight we all knew that he was going to fight the winner of the heavyweight title fight francis Ngannou versus stipe miocic at the time it was the winner of you and and uh, stipe against francis who was promised the title shot now june three four that's like that's like eight months ago dc why didn't they negotiate all of this beforehand we well, knew that he was fighting the winner of it was 50 50 DC. If this was done in a, in a, in a, in a, in a good way, in my opinion, it would have been like the Canelo fight a couple of weeks ago. Francis wins fade to black run the promo August 15th Jones and Ganu make two of them, make one for Stipe, make one for Jones. This should have been decided on I weeks ago, months ago, negotiated prior. I don't understand how Jones said after the race fight, he wanted more money. I thought that they had come to terms on a new contract already, but it seems like it's just been tabled. No, this it's just tabled. just been tabled, right? For almost a year now. Look, contracts with the UFC, right? And this is, it's always a hard decision, a hard conversation to talk about because it's going to seem as though I'm trying to side with the organization. But the reality is this, guys will go into a fight and they'll get more money. Once they get paid that said that money, if they win that fight, they want more money the next fight, which is crazy. Now, I don't know where Jones and them are in terms of that, but it's almost like the fights now are becoming contract by contract in terms of how people want to get paid. Um, Jones has defended his title so many times. So I would imagine that he's had pay bumps. He now wants his biggest pay bump. And you know what, man? Hats off to him. Go get paid because this is going to be a massive fight for him and the UFC. But if not, if the UFC doesn't want to pay him, they'll just move on to the next guy. No, they have to. DC, they have to figure this out. This would be an indictment on everyone, on all parties if they don't figure this out. This is the type of fight that boxing doesn't make. And this is the type of fight that historically the UFC has made. You have to figure this fight out. This is the type of fight that everyone will be talking about. I want nothing more than for it to be figured out. It's a great fight. 
I just don't know if when you have two parties that are so setting set in stone, a lot of times they go in opposite directions, especially when neither party really needs the other because Jones has money. Jones is set. Jones is set. If Jones is smart with his money, he's set for the rest of his life. The UFC can just has the most feared heavyweight champion of all time. So even if Francis doesn't beat Jones, if he can go on a run of just knocking guys out, then it won't really matter. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's just like, such it's a, a great fight on paper. You don't get these fight. opportunities. And honestly, man, and honestly, if Jones can fight his fight, he could potentially pick Francis apart from the outside. He's that type of guy. He's a smart fighter. He knows how to maneuver and manage fights. But <laughs> I don't know if he'll be able to hit and Francis hard enough to keep Francis off of him for five rounds in terms of Francis trying to find a knockout. Because the one thing we all forget about with Francis, dude's got a granite chin. Mm -hmm. He can take a shot, bro. That right hand that Stipe hit him with was hard. And he got stunned. But then he, five seconds later, lands a knockout to, to end the fight. So granite chin, great combat artist in Jones versus Francis. It's the fight to make, man. It's one of those big fights that don't come around often. I, I wrote this down yesterday because I didn't want to forget. Randy Fedor, GSP Anderson, Jones Anderson, Ronda Cyborg, DC Brock, Brock Fedor, GSP Khabib. This fight goes into that category. And what do yep. all those fights have in common? Those super fights, never those happened. dream that never happened. This is that kind of fight. We need to figure it out. We can't let that fight, Jones versus uh, Ngannou, go into the category with those other fights that never happened. It's too intriguing. It's the greatest light heavyweight champion moving up to this guy. I mean, it, it's so great. The other thing that I would have done, I'm just saying perfect world. I'm running the show, right? I mean, and what a show it would be. Let me tell oh you my what a show it would be. You have this You have this deal signed back in November. Hey, John, if you're going to fight Stipe, you're making X, Y, and Z. On this date, we're going to make the fight. Hey, if you're fighting Ngannou, you're making X, Y, and Z. We'll have a promo ready. Everyone's you know, hyped about Ngannou. And then we run the promo right after Fade the Black, August, September, whatever. And then I get to the press conference. And instead of saying, if I'm John Jones, I'm going down to 185 after seeing that, I'm saying the greatest fight in the history of this promotion is going to happen in four months. It is going to be Johnny Bones Jones, the greatest light heavyweight champion, the greatest fighter of all time, moving up to fight that man, that physical specimen who hits harder than a Mack truck. Could you imagine? You need to order this pay-per-view tonight to get in line because it, this thing's going to be tied up on ESPN plus the night of the event. Like, let's get into this, baby. This you know is a crazy? massive fight. Could you, could you be, can I be honest with you? This is why, and, and this is why like Dana is different than most people in these positions. He's still a fan of this, right? And if I'm being honest with you, he said, if I'm Jones, we're going to 185. He was one of millions of people. My phone blew up with people going, Jones is going back down to fight Jan. Jones is not fighting that dude. It wasn't just Dana saying that. He's just a fan. And he mm. reacted in a way like most people like, man, I don't know. I even thought I was like, I don't know if Jones is going to fight this dude. Like who wants to fight this dude? is what I was thinking as a fan. And then once I thought about it, I'm like, yeah. Even that video, Jones said, you are not like me. That's the truth. People are not like fighters. We're different. No one's afraid of anyone. But when I thought of it as a fan, I was like, okay, yeah, he might want to go back down to 205 because I'd much rather fight Jan or Izzy or anybody else in the world than Francis Ngannou. That's what I thought That's, as a fan. It's totally as fair. A fighter, it's like, oh. 
hell of a challenge to try to climb and figure out. But let me just remind people, this was a 23-year-old kid fighting Shogun Hua, no, fighting Rampage Jackson. Like, people forget. This well, guy Jones was a kid. Like, Jones has been like eight UFC champions over the course of Yes. Come on now with this afraid, afraid stuff. But but the, but the thing is, again, I think Dana was talking like a fan because right. he's a fan of he still loves. Uh, he's a fan of this sport, bro. Like the dude still just loves it, even though he runs it. And I think as a fan, mo like most fans did, that's why you saw that uproar of people going, oh, Jones is going to try to price himself out because he doesn't want the fight. No. The reality is the reality is that's a fan's perspective. Once you go back and look at it as a fighter and as a businessman, I think they'll be able to come to terms. Here's my honest assessment on that. The whole pricing himself out. Look, here I am. I'm like, I, I'm freaking, I should be John Jones's manager at this point because I'm trying to prop this thing up. But I'll tell you what, John Jones understands what's going on. He knows what happened in the last three fights. Those were fights that were probably a little too close to call, right? They shouldn't have been that close. He fought Anthony Smith. He fought Tiago Santos. He fought Dominic Reyes. Those are close fights. He recognizes that he is, mortal, right? Like we, we all at some point lose to father time, especially in the fight game. And so he says, look, I'm going to go up and I'm going to risk it all against Francis Ngannou. I want to get paid. And so I, I, I think he understands that he doesn't view himself as invincible. I think he understands that this is the time to cash in. I have no problem with it. I would probably advise him. Don't play it all out in public. Well, that like, doesn't no, usually, that's the mistake. Know, that doesn't usually pan out well for you if you do that. Um, but I hope it gets done. By the way, does he in your opinion, does he tweet show me the money if Stipe wins? Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't know. But look, call it what it is. Stipe is a more favorable matchup for Jones. Mm. That's just the truth, right? To fight Miocic is a more favorable matchup than to fight Nganu. Because if they would have let the odds out for Miocic versus Jones, I don't know if those have ever been done. Jones is probably favored. I don't know if Jones ever has been an underdog as he is today against Nganu. So um, I don't know if he tweets that. But I do know that he recognizes that to fight Francis, he probably would want more money because here's the thing, man. Part of the intrigue of Jones is not only the fact that he's beaten everyone, but because he's never had that visual of him actually losing. Mm. Right? Oh, it's great. That's one of the things. And he understands that he puts that at risk against Francis Ngannou because if he loses, it changes everything. It's so crazy how short-sighted people are. I was on my Twitter the other day and um, somebody tweeted me, DC, now can we stop calling Stipe the greatest heavyweight of all time? Mm. What do you mean? Yeah. He is. He just lost a fight. But it's like going into the fight, he was undoubtedly the greatest heavyweight of all time. And then he loses, and now you guys are calling for him to not be considered that? Why? Does it eliminate everything he's done in the past? So I think Jones is very aware, that, especially when I look at his tweets and how active he is with fans. He's reading the comments. Mm. He's reading and understands that if he loses, people will view him in a different way. So I can understand why he's saying, give me more money to do that. That's something I hate about this sport. I, I posted something yesterday on my Instagram because I felt like Stipe was just getting swept under Bro, the rug. So Actually, it kind of reminded me a little bit, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, like when you beat him and then it, everyone focused on you versus Brock because that was yeah. such a big fight. And now all of a sudden here we are celebrating Francis and we're forgetting about this man who has no, done amazing we things. We should. It's so crazy too, man. Like Stipe Miocic is a great guy. And, you know, I watched the fight 
and almost I felt sad yeah. watching that. But I do understand that most of us go out. That's how championships in most times, especially in heavyweight with that great champion on his back, looking up at the lights. It sucks. But I called the fight because I respect Miocic. I respect Nganu. I knew it was going to be a great fight. But even for me as a competitor, I find no joy in watching Stipe Miocic lose. I understand what happens to him, his wife, his family, when that happens. So I was I was more sad, but still very happy for Nganu. Not even happy in the least bit that Miocic got beat. It, it sucks. It sucks to watch because I've had to deal with it too. And I know when he goes home to his daughter, she will be crying or sad. His wife's crying. Just like my wife was crying, my kids are crying. It sucks. We understand each other on a, on a much higher level than most people do. I do believe, and we didn't even talk about it last week, and uh, I actually blame myself for that. I, I, I feel like I messed up. I believe the three fights against you led to somewhat of a deterioration of skills. I don't know how much it's impossible to gauge that, but you go 10 rounds against one of the greatest of all time, you, and you get knocked out in one of those rounds. Teddy Atlas said a very similar thing on our pre-show. It's going to change you as a fighter. And to me, like we talk a lot about Roy McDonald and Robbie Lawler. We talk a lot about Kane and JDS. We've talked about fights that have changed human beings. I think we will look back at the three fights against you as fights that changed Stipe. And so it's not a surprise that his next fight is a fight that ends like this. Of course, Francis had a lot to do with that. But I do believe in, and maybe this is a hard question for you to answer, but do you think that as a result of those three fights against you, you know, his skills deteriorated that, I mean, you guys left a lot in those three cages, right? You know, what's crazy is like, I didn't, you try your hardest not to like impart, put, make yourself a part of the narrative, right? Like I'm not trying to make myself a part of what Steve and Francis have, but right after I lost to him, I did an interview. Maybe it was you for the first time. And I said, you know what? I go, he'll probably lose his next fight because I know when I left the octagon on August 15th, whether I had won or if I had lost, I was done. I could tell he had taken a lot out of me. I could just feel it, right? Like I can feel that I wasn't the same person. And you don't do what we did to each other and not have long-term effects, especially when you come back only about eight months afterwards, right? Nine months after he didn't take, when he lost to me, Francis had hit him all those times in January. I knocked him out in July. Then we went a whole year for him to recover. And then a whole nother year. This is just a little over seven months, by the way. Yeah, just a little over seven months and he's back. And we took some big shots in that third fight. I hit him with some big shots. The first round almost knocked him down. Like we were punching each other really hard, but I knew I was done after those three fights because I knew how much he had taken out of me. And I, I, I know that we took a lot out of each other. We beat the crap out of each other for 10 rounds. And Stipe was on the receiving end of a lot of that, right? From the first fight getting knocked out to me beating him for the vast majority of the second fight. And then even in the third fight, you know, like hitting him with all the shots. And it was just a very hard rivalry. And it does take something out of you. But I knew he had taken that out of the, 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 the durability. My chin, my, 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 my chin didn't feel as 30 after those fights. My, my vision, everything just seemed a little bit less than. And I believe Stipe is dealing with some effects of that too. Because the reality is this, he got hit with a jab 
by Francis that knocked him out. See, he might have expected the right hand, right? So he would get hit with it, he would deal with it. But when Francis threw that right hand and that shovel jab, it knocked him down. The, it was something that he didn't expect, and it was just something different. So I do believe that. And I said this way back in September. I said he'll probably lose his next fight because mm. you just know the effects it takes on you when you're in one of those all-time rivalries like that. Do you think he fights again? <sighs> For me, I would like Stipe Miocic to stay home with his wife. Stay home till he has a son, right? I know right now because all you want is to for a guy that has been i mean insanely underappreciated all he wants to do is continue to prove people wrong what well, the reality is this take some time away from this thing figure out what you want to do and do it for the right reasons he's got a ton of money hmm. right lives in ohio has made boatloads of money as the heavyweight champ of the world he's got a beautiful family just take some time away figure out what you want to do but what I don't want to see right now is him try to fight his way back into a fight with Nganu. Because I don't know if the Nganu he fought Saturday with his ability to defend takedowns and not fatigue is going to be a matchup that's going to ever favor him or hope for some change at the top of the division. But take some time. If you're me, just take some time, man. You don't need to rush back into this thing. But dude's had a long, great career. And whatever break he takes... He has earned it. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't fight for the, the rest of the year, especially like you said, he's expecting his second child. He deserves that. Took a lot of damage in this fight. Took a lot of damage against you, 25 minutes. Um, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, this guy can beat 95% of the yeah. heavyweights currently in the top 15 of the UFC. But is there more to do? Is there, especially especially if they do the Jones and Ganu fight and he's not getting an immediate rematch and, and I agree with you, that would probably not be wise. Does he want to go through the whole rigmarole of working his, you know, self back up to that well, spot? Plus, you know, wasn't a big draw, so they're not going to be quick to give it to him. I, I just, I don't know if he goes through it. So I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he continues to fight. Also, I wouldn't be shocked. And this is not me advocating for him to retire. I wouldn't be shocked if he says I've had enough. And if he walks away, it'll be crazy because people will always appreciate Stipe Miocic more when he's gone. I don't understand how, like even me, right? I get so many come back. I'm like, why? You guys hated me when I was here. Why do you want me to come back now? I'm like, I'm good. Like you didn't like me when I was here. So why are people saying come back? And I think that's going to be the same thing with Miocic. For all the times people are like, oh, he's boring. He's not, he's not this. He's not that. He's not that. When he's gone, they're going to pine for him to fight again. But the reality is you got to appreciate these guys while they're here. George St. Pierre. Remember that? Remember GSP? How they treated GSP at the end? You need to retire. You need to retire. GSP should retire. We're five years later, and people are going, can GSP come back? Like, it's fine. The guy has done enough. Like, respect these champions while they're here. Just like Habib. You better love it. Live in the fact that Jones is here. Live in the fact that Jan Bohovic, Israel Asanya, all these guys are here. Max Holloway. Live that these guys are here right now because there's going to be a day where they're gone and people are going to be like, please come back. Better enjoy these fighters while they're here. You are on fire today. I don't know if maybe it's just us doing the show for a year now. We are reading each other's minds. We, By the way, to let everyone know. We do no pre-show planning together. I hardly no. speak to you before uh, the show or after the fights because I want it to all be fresh. But what you just said, and you did it earlier in the show as well with another topic, what you just said, take away George St. Pierre, take away Stipe, can be applied to Tyron Woodley. 
What oh you just who was the next guy I was about to ask you about? This man will be appreciated way more when he is gone. And you talk about a bit of a sad situation. Here he was three in a row. We said he didn't put it into the next gear. He wasn't his old aggressive self. And there that guy was on Saturday. It was the old aggressive tyrant. And unfortunately, that was his undoing because he got too aggressive, too overzealous, and got finished, eventually submitted by Vicente Luque. And, 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 and Luque deserves all credit. He's incredibly tough. He's just 29. He's going to be a player at 170 for a while. But I do believe that was the last time we, uh, we see Tyron inside the octagon. Final fight on his deal. I don't think they'll bring him back. I just wonder if he fights again as well. And it just bums me out because I feel like when he was champion, you know, people talked about the hip hop music. They talked about the interviews, things like that. And, and for whatever reason, he just couldn't get on the same page with the fans. This man was great. And I don't feel like we talk. I, I said this on Saturday. I want to say it again. We talk about Usman now being on the same level as GSP. Usman's not on the same level as GSP. I'm sorry. He's on the same level as Tyron Woodley. He's on the same level as Matt Hughes, those legends. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's one more level to go. Woodley is in that Usman territory. If you, if you look at the title defenses, it bums me out to see it end like this. You know what sucked about, first off, hats off to Vicente Luque. You know, he fought a beautiful fight and he stayed calm under the fire because he had a lot thrown at him very quickly. You know, you said we saw the old aggressive tyrant. Well, we saw Saturday was a tyrant that we've never seen before. Like, we've right. never seen tyrant that fired up, right? And I remember going into the fight wondering, man, he's lost 15 in a row. It can't get worse. I 15 said rounds. 15 rounds in a row. It can't get worse. But it actually got worse. Got finished in the first round. And if that was it, I hope that he can come to terms with the fact that he gave it his all. Right. Like he did not hold anything back. He cannot go home and go, man, if I would have just opened up a little bit more, if I would have just right. thrown more, he threw everything. He tried his damnedest to, to get Vicente Luque out of there. And I said it on the broadcast. I said, Tyron's aggressive, but the one thing you're not going to do is just steamroll Vicente Luque. It doesn't happen. He's too good. And um, it's just, again, man, our great champions always end up on their back. It's a sad thing in fight sports. We don't go out like George St. Pierre, right? Maybe I didn't go out on my back, but I went out on a loss, right. as do most of your greatest champions. So seeing Tyron lose like that sucked because he gave so much effort. But people need to respect what he did because he had that belt for about three years, right? And he defended the belt and he fought Wonderboy Thompson in two great fights, finished Darren Till with a submission, knocked out Robbie Lawler. You know, you got to really appreciate what this man did for uh, mixed martial arts and, he just didn't connect. He didn't connect with the general public because of who he was, but at least he can say he never changed. He stayed who he stayed true to himself, even when the outside world probably was telling him to conform to what people wanted him to be. He never did that. Couldn't agree more. Man of integrity, a man who, uh, who, 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 as you put it just uh, seconds ago, perfectly, like he is who he is. Like him or love him. Never tried to change. Never tried to win over fans. There was a point where he was 10-0, got brutally knocked out by Nate Marquardt in strike force. And then you wonder how that's going to affect him. You know, the, the UFC career, he had some great moments. Jay Haran knockout, Josh Koscheck knockout. We were wondering, would he get over the hump? And then he goes on this run, DC. Dung Young Kim, Kelvin Gaslam, who weighed 10 pounds more than him. The Robbie Lawler knockout was vicious when no one did that to, to Robbie. The two Wonderboy fights. And I know he got some heat for the Maya fight. I don't think it was his fault. I mean, the guy was injured, finished the rising star, Darren Till. I mean, he had a great run. He had a really great run. 
Uh, Vicente Luque afterwards called out Nathan Diaz. Not a bad call out. I, I, I think I think that's a, a call out, honestly, that would uh, perk up Nathan's ears. I don't know if that's the direction that they'll ultimately go with Nathan. Um, there could be some other things in the works, but hey, respect to Vicente for shooting his shot. You yep, got to shoot absolutely. your shot. Why right? not? He's on a roll, man. Vicente Luque has looked phenomenal. And if this is T-Wood on his way out, talk about a way though, right? You mm-hmm. lose four in a row, but to Usman, Covington, Burns, and Vicente Luque. He's not fighting bums. But, man, for Vicente, he's 29. He got into this thing at 21 off the ultimate fighter. He was a kid. He's already got eight years' experience inside the octagon, so he's only going to get better as we go forward. I believe that this kid is going to be very difficult for anyone going forward, and I cannot wait to see what Vicente Luque turns into. One other uh, fight I want to ask you about on this particular card, um, our buddy Chael Sonnen kind of broke this news on the post-fight show on Saturday. Dominic Cruz, Sean O'Malley. It sounds like, according to Chael, Dom seemed interested in Sugar Sean after his win over Thomas Almeida. Is that a fight that you think makes sense for both guys? You know, if you're Sean O'Malley, you want that fight. Right. You know, Dom wants that fight because Dom's an insane competitor. But um, I want to see... I was thinking more... Jose Aldo versus Dominic Cruz. I was thinking yeah. Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz. Those types of fights were the ones that I was hoping for Dom because those are the fights that I always kind of wanted back in the day. Um, but yeah, I, I think if that's what he wants to do, it's up, you know, that's on him. But Sean O'Malley looked phenomenal. Is he you know, back? I, He's back. But was he gone? He I mean, was he gone? He wasn't was he, was Sean O'Malley really gone? You know, the dude got hurt. Chito Vera landed a kick that won him the fight. No matter what Sean says, right? Sean will never admit it. Because even when Bruce Buffer said, at 10 and 1, Sugar Sean goes zero. Sean holds up the zero like no. Nope. Did that? He said he did that. He held up the zero like oh, I didn't nope. see that. I'm undefeated, right? That's hilarious. Sean O'Malley, he's just, the kid's a star. The kid is uh he's got phenomenal skills. I, I really Great thought. Great hair. Oh, he's got dude. When he got that knockdown in the first round and he didn't finish it, I was like, ah, massive mistake, right? Right. Massive mistake. But then he got it in the third. You know, I spoke to people want those viral moments, Mm. right? So sometimes you want the knockout, the walk-off. It doesn't happen. But then he got it in the third. And then, honestly, when he dropped him that last time, ref, jump in there and stop it. Don't make him land that extra follow-up shot. But, boy, when he had to put that last one on Thomas Almeida – Thomas Almeida's legs were kind of up like he was going to try to collect the guard. When Sean passed the feet and dropped the right hand, dude stiffened up. I was like, okay, it's over. Like, Sean O'Malley is is the real deal, man. And I'm interested to see who he gets next because I believe there are some areas in his game that we haven't seen tested yet. I want to see, you know, who he's standing across the octagon. If he fights Dom, he will get tested in those areas. Yeah, I was kidding about the is he back and all that stuff because oh, okay, I was like, yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he wasn't no going. because you know like when a when a, a loud outlandish kid speaks like he speaks and then he loses, everyone just wants to flip him, him aside and yeah and pretend like he's done. He was never done. He lost to a really good fighter yeah. named Marlon Vera, um, and this was a good bounce back fight for him against a guy who has a name but is on a bit of a skid as of late. That was a great performance. Hey, Isn't shout out. Crazy, by- like, it's like, it's frustrating. Like it's frustrating. I love watching this man, but I just wish that we as fans of the sport had more faith in these athletes, right? Instead of trying to write them off so quickly, let's just see what's going to happen. Even Stipe, let's stop writing Stipe off. Let's wait right. and see what he decides to do. 
let's not say Jones has no chance because we don't know. Let's it's just part of being a fan in the social media age. Everyone has an opinion. They could send it straight to you guys, to the fighters. <laughs> it's an unfortunate byproduct of it all. But uh, hey, it doesn't look like it's bothering Sean O'Malley all that much. In fact, it looks like he's leaning into it with the undefeated stuff. Just so. like Aljo. Like Aljo. I mean, right. Aljo's new stick. Well, I don't know. Perfect. You and Aljo are just it's like perfect. It's buzz. perfect. I, I, Aljo came to the set and I'm like, okay, now he's taking it everywhere. Why didn't you bring it? I mean, if you're gonna go, all, go all in. Bring it to Did the Did he say desk. anything to you, by the way? You know, I, I, we sat down and we spoke and I, I just told him, I said, Hey, I want to talk to you. And he came and he sat down. I was like, listen, we are going to discuss these things about you. I go, we're going to talk about you and every single move you make, especially as the champion. I go, but people cannot take offense to that because you know, what's the worst thing is when nobody's talking about you. I go, so be happy on Mondays when you fight that you're the topic of conversation. And that's what most fighters need to do when they see DC and Helwani said this, be happy because guess what? There are 535 other people on the roster that don't get any type of Monday morning quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, be happy when you're the topic of conversation yep. because the one thing you don't want to be is just insignificant. Hey, uh, shout out to Brad Riddell. Brad Riddell didn't fight on Saturday. Corner two. Lost out on, his, uh, on, on the biggest fight of his career against Greg Gillespie last weekend two weekends ago uh, because of COVID there he was cornering Jamie Malarkey who people may have forgotten. They fought in a fight of the night back at yeah. UFC 243. That was pretty damn cool. He it stuck cool. around and, and there he was Jamie Malarkey with a huge win over Kama worthy Miranda Maverick with a big win over Jillian Robertson, uh, Alonzo Menafield with a big win as well. Very impressive Von flu choke. And what about your guy, Abu Bakar? You kept calling him a different name. I was like, who's he talking about? What would you keep calling him? His name is Manap. We call Manap. him Manap. But no listen, one knows him as Manap. No, but I, I explained it. His name is Abu Bakr. Yeah. Abdul Manap Nurmagomedov. Ah. So he's Abdul Manap. But just for short, we just call him Manap, right? So it's just his, it's just his name because so we don't call him Abu Bakr in the in the gym. We call him Manap. And they understand. Even in the corner, you, you could hear Javier and Habib saying that. Khabib was like, speak Russian, speak Russian, Manap. Speak Russian. You know, it's, it's his name. And, um. Yeah, it's, it's Abu Bakr, Nomega Medoff. Abdul Manap, Nomega Medoff. And there's my guy, Habib. He good. He I mean, Habib, good, coach man. of the year. Hey, he's back. Habib, you know now, hey, coach Habib, him and Javier. I mean, he tries, he says he, he, uh, he gives all the credit to Hav, but Habib, man, is, is doing, he's always there. And you know where he is now? Connecticut, he's right over on, there yeah. with Usman, Nomega Medoff. I mean, the dude is making his rounds to, uh, to uh, I love it. as a coach and just full on, man, he's full in with these guys to try to help them get better and become champions. Oh, I'm very excited to watch. Uh, there's no UFC this weekend, but Bellator is finally back after a long layoff. I can't wait to see this Usman Nurmagomedov. Everyone Good, talks man. about him as uh, you've never trained with him, right? Never trained with him, but I've seen it. I've seen it now. I got to watch him spar the other day on FaceTime. He, the kids. Oh, good. okay. He wasn't in Vegas. He trained with those guys down there, right? Oh, was he in Vegas? No, was yeah, he there? He not at the even- fights. Okay, 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 okay. No, it was him, Umar. It was Habib, Umar, and Hav came. And then uh, Ali was there too with um, uh, Abu. The other okay. Kid, Abu. Yeah, that's going to be great. That's uh, this Friday, by the way, also the return of Patricio Pitbull. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, as we put 260 to bed, a couple other things I want to bring up. By the way, what about you guys? I mean, look, I haven't been to an event in quite some time at this point. And, you know, for the most part, yeah, I miss it. And, and, and I feel like a little bit left out, whatever. But 
I missed it on Saturday. I mean, there's Joe Burrow. There's Kardashian with a lollipop. Baby. It was I, Club 260. What was that, that was all crazy. about? Freaking Megan Fox looks like she did 15 years ago. She doesn't age. I don't know what's going on there. Machine Gun Kelly. What was that Anthony scene like? Hamilton. I mean, Gary Clark Jr. Everybody, a lot of people were in there. Just kind of sit. Hey, bro, sitting up on some risers, all in these plush black leather chairs. It was madness. I, I go to the bathroom yesterday. As I get through the curtain, I look to the left. There's a trailer. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, it's the VIP bathroom. I'm like, wow. It was crazy. I was like, this is madness. And then they had this guy that Bruce Buffer was losing his mind over. Buff goes, man, he was a a, a, a Frank Sinatra era headliner in Vegas, a singer. And he just like loved the guy. I can't remember the guy's name right now, but everybody was freaking out over this man more than anyone else. Everybody was, was freaking out over I can't remember his name. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank. But everybody was losing their mind over his, his name, bro, and this man. And he was just, like, sitting there. Lorenzo was there in sweats. with Lorenzo the, who? Lorenzo Fertitta was in that piece with sweatpants with the best cologne I've ever smelled in my life. <laughs> I saw Frank, I'm like, champ. He came over, gave me a big old hug. I was like, man, Frank Fertitta. It was, dude, it was Ari wow. Emanuel was there. Everybody was there. Lorenzo rocking in there and sweats. Lorenzo was in there and sweats, like just balling. Yeah. Dog. Lorenzo's in there with his it's sweats It's good to on. be the king. I mean, the king. Lorenzo's the Does king of Vegas. Does he still have a big beard? Got a little, yeah, he's got a nice, it's, just, it's shaved down a little bit. You but know, he smells not, good, right? He's not the mountain man. Smells good, man. Hey, Lorenzo, I don't know where Lorenzo bought that, <laughs> that cologne. That's some, that's some $2,000, $3,000 cologne he wearing. Because I'm like, man. Imagine they were like Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Fox, Joe Burrow, uh, um, Kardashian and who was it? Uh, Travis Barker, our guy Travis, Travis Barker, and then Lorenzo just chilling there in the Lorenzo, sweats. No, no, that would have no, no, been no, great. No, trust me, trust me. They don't show Lorenzo, Lorenzo. wasn't sitting there. Yeah. Lorenzo sit. Hey, Lorenzo didn't sit up in the right. Lorenzo sits right next to Dana, like right in the at the head of the table. Lorenzo's Amazing. the king, man. That dude's a man, bro. We we miss Lorenzo. Like he was the he was the absolute man. We miss Lorenzo Fertitta, and I was good to see him. I hadn't seen him in 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 a couple of years. We've texted a couple of times, but. I hadn't seen him in a, in a couple of years, so it was good to see him. But uh, it was crazy. It felt like it felt like it felt like good, normal, right? Remember yeah. before the celebrity shots and all that stuff. It felt, and it was good to see people show up for the heavyweight championship of the world. Yeah, it's a big that deal. felt good, right? The heavyweight championship of the world drew more people in, and now we have a champion that will really start to pull interest back into the sport. 34 years old. By the way, great note here from our friends at uh, SIG Combat. Eighth oldest heavyweight champion for the first time. Excuse me. Eighth oldest champion for the first time. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Did you know that? No, I must be the oldest then because I won at 39 years old. Eighth oldest first time champion in UFC history. Um, and the 11th to win his first title at 34 or older. The other older champions, Jan Bachovic, Fabricio Verdum, Maurice Smith, Marilla Bustamanch. Chuck Liddell, Shane Carwin, interim, and some guy named Daniel Cormier. Because I was, what, 36, 35? Uh, you tell me. I think I was like 35 or 36, because I think Jones beat me the first time I was, I mean, yeah, like 35 years old. Yeah, wow. Very quickly before we go, a shout out to Misha Tate. She's out of retirement, returning in July. So that's going to be fun against Marion Renault. Shout out to one of your favorite fighters. I know you're a huge fan. 
Patty the Batty Pimlet officially <laughs> signed with Cage Warriors. You can't wait for his debut. Uh, details unknown, but he has officially signed with the UFC, so that is a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to Jake Paul and Ben Askren for that incredible uh, press conference, and, and, and Jake had some choice words for you. Yeah. We'll talk a little more about that fight um, the, week, uh, the week of it. It's April 17th. And hey, shout out to Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. I reported oh, this wait, morning. They got it done? They're close. Not officially. It's not quite there no. yet. Wait, but, are, are you saying it right now? You're breaking news. It's over. It's done. No, no, no. I said it's close. I re- I reported this already. Thanks for thanks for following along. Um, they're at the quote unquote goal line. I'm told. They're at the goal line. They're at the goal line. July 10th, UFC 264. Let's go. I'm gonna be in that one. I'm maybe maybe I'll make my my return. You think I should make my return for that one? You should probably make your return before, man. Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean Jacksonville, dog. Why don't you go to Jacksonville? Are you I'll going be, to Jacksonville? I don't know. I mean, you should go to Jacksonville. You gonna be there? I'm gonna be up in Jacksonville, dog. Full on, full on, full on Jacksonville. Two minutes. H-Town. It sold out in two minutes. Is that is that the official number? Yeah, two I don't minutes? know if it's official. Oh, okay, you I mean, made that up. Very fast, you know. What I mean? I, if I said it, people would probably think that it was true. So it doesn't matter. But like, it sold out in a matter of minutes. That's how ready people are to get back to like being in arena for live sports. And if Saturday was any indication of what it's going to look like, whew, I can't wait to get to Jacksonville. Yeah, there's some fun uh, fights coming up. ABC on April 10th, uh, Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori. And then uh, April 17th, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. We know May 15th about Olivera Chandler. There might be a big fight added to that one as well. Stay tuned. Uh, June, we've got the uh, flyweights, maybe Peter Jan, Aljamain Sterling. And then July 10th, Connor and Poirier. Do you want to add something to that? For the April... 10th show yes either espn's giving me oh. or abc's giving me the blazer or i'm going to wear my own yellow blazer <laughs> i'm either they're going to give me one that looks official or i'm wearing a yellow blazer for the show of my own on abc because it needs to happen at this point i thought you were just about to announce that they actually got it done like they took oh, your no, measurement no, 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 no. oh they, that'd be so you still got time it was mentioned and if they don't i will go oh, and buy so my own great. blazer and wear it my own that would be so great. Uh, I want all three of you, or is it two I of mean, you? I mean, why wouldn't they just like hit us with the wild world of sports entrance? You know, when uh, it starts. Why wouldn't they just do hit us with the wild world of sports? The thrill of, of victory, the agony yeah. of defeat. Just right there at the start. And then, you know, hit us with a little bit of uh, Cosell and Ali, some of the other guys in the Blazers, and then just let me pop up on there with these updated Blazers, right? Could you imagine what the 2021 Blazers would look like? Boy, they might look real good. What are you gonna do with the weekend off? No, no, no UFC this weekend. I was gonna uh, go to the I was gonna go to the Olympic trials down in Dallas. The Olympic wrestling trials is that this weekend in Dallas. So uh that's what you, the plan is. You were going wrestling. to go or you are going? I'm gonna go to watch me and my son gonna go oh, to wow. watch uh, watch wrestling. So Damn. you know, I'm gonna see. I, I got some 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 news the other day. My friend Kyle Crutchman told me he said, Man, you don't have to wear your mask down here. I'm like, What? He's like, Nowhere. I was like, Okay, maybe we're not going. I, like, I don't know, I'm not exactly sure. But uh yeah, that, that was the plan. That's that is the plan as of today. When you go there, you must be like king of the mountain, right? Everyone just red uh, carpet treatment. Well, you saw how the guy at the all change center treated me the other day. He had no idea. What I know I was. that was great. That was great. Dog, you know? so that was, uh, DC calls me up. He's about to get his oil change. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to see someone be like, oh my God, it's Daniel Cormier. This guy could not care less <laughs> about who you were. I mean, I'm like, yo, man, put me on speaker. Let me tell this guy who he's talking oh, to. Couldn't care less. I, I actually prefer it that way. 
But, um, and then what was so weird was you were there, and then he's like, wait a second, are you Deron Wynn, UFC fighter? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you're awful. Like, you're actually uh, awful. You're kidding. awful, man. I'm you're kidding. awful. Uh, but on that note, we are off next uh, next Monday. It's a special thing. Don't blame me. Blame DC. He needs Thank time you. off. He needs to rest after the pay-per-views. So we're off next Monday, but we shall be back the following Monday. So just one week, nothing too crazy, um, but I'll, I'll be here. I don't take time off around these parts. Time off is for the week in my opinion. I don't get tired. You like exactly. Kevin Gates. You don't get That's tired, right? right? That's right. Um, all right. Well, congratulations to Francis Ngannou, the new champ. Let's get that fight done. If world. you need to call me up to close the deal, to be the mediator, I'll make it happen. Johnny Bones, my guy, will go down to Albuquerque. We'll have a little walk and talk session. I mean, y'all might as well hold hands. I'm like, y'all walking in the park, y'all may as well hold hands. It's the only thing that was missing. Thanks to all of you. Thank you, DC. Back next week. Actually, I lied. Back oh. in two weeks. <laughs> Same time of place until then we say peace. I'm out of here. No, <laughs> <laughs> why do you do that sound, man? Was that sound coming from your nose? Does that sound come through your nose? Like, where does that sound come from, man? What in the world? Oh, that's good stuff. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> How do you make that sound? <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.